This is StoryVox, your go-to podcast for audio drama, creative interviews, and intentional life skills. Let's dive in. Hello everyone, welcome to StoryVox. This weekly podcast was created to offer life, purpose, creativity, and productivity insights to young people through quality audio dramas, creative interviews, and intentional life skills designed to inspire hope in young people and empower them to pursue life with purpose and diligence, despite the negative circumstances around them. My name is Tolu Anmi Babarinde, a physician, missionary creative, and behavioral scientist who believes that Young people can do great things with their lives. Give them wings and watch them soar. Storyvox is the official podcast of the Grand Heights Initiative, which is the hub of creative life resources for young people. Find out more on ghwings.com. show today and i'm excited about this episode because i have with me a friend and a person that is passionate about young people is passionate about a life of diligence and i call him a reachable mentor because he has a story he's on his way he's on his journey on a part of purpose and diligence and he has a story to share that i believe can inspire young people so david is um the founder of TechMate africa a technology and innovation ecosystem advocacy organization. He's um, spoken at many events, including TEDx events at UI and Mokola in Nigeria. He had spoken at Ibadan Social Media Festival. He has been a two-time judge at the International Alt Prize. Um, he was the chairman of the International Youth Forum in 2017, which held in South Korea, and is also a fellow of the Asian Population Institute. And he's on the show because he's passionate about purpose, he's passionate about young people. He has insights to share with young people. So I welcome David to the show. David? Yeah, thank you very much, Tolu. My pleasure to be on the show with you. Always excited whenever I have uh, an opportunity to discuss with um, a young person about life, about purpose, about diligence, about living a life above mediocrity. And I'm, I'm really pumped about what we are about to discuss today so um can we meet you ah yeah my name is Oluwa david and the portrait i've done some christmases so i was born um close to three decades ago uh somewhere in fiditi or your state nigeria awesome (laughs) I had a bachelor's in library and information science from the University of Ibadan, Nigeria. I had a master's in information science from the same university in 2015. 
Then I backed another master's in public policy and regional development from uh, the Korean Development Institute School of Public Policy and Management in South Korea. I'm a born again child of God. I'm a product of grace. Nice. So you have a pretty thick educational portfolio. Yeah, it's all by the grace of God. (laughs) So how did you come into this field? Because to me, it seems like it's an unconventional part. Mm. It must be something that came from maybe within. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. My childhood dream was to become a computer scientist. You know, as a child, sometimes you have various dreams. At some point, I wanted to be a pharmacist. At some point, I wanted to be a medical doctor. But, you know, <laughs> uh, those are those are normal things for a young person. Um yeah. Of course, uh, a, a young teenager for that matter. But over time, I, I was able to sift all my passion and I actually knew that I wanted to be um, a technology person. But my O-level result was not fit for the kind of course I wanted to study in the university okay. because um, I failed my work twice. Wow. It was a very tough uh, time for me. But one of my uncles advised that I go for library and information science okay even though i never knew what it was but i knew one way or the other i was going to connect with my passion in the future Mm. but i was growing old at home and i wanted to go to the university so with faith i applied for library and information science and uh, my point was the lowest in the whole of the department uh, when the department was using 65.9 percent to admit students I had 40.9. That tells you that my O level was really poor without physics and chemistry. But to the glory of God, my name came out on the third list. So I was one of the last persons to be admitted to the Department of Library Studies in the University of Ibadan. God uh, actually helped me. I eventually finished that program with the first class. Wow, that's awesome. Throughout the program, I never for once forgot my passion, which is technology. Mm -hmm. So I'd always read about technology. I'd always uh, made friends with computer science students. I'd always, you know, engage in technological talks. So what I studied didn't actually affect what I actually wanted to pursue as a passion. You were in school, but you still kept your passion alive and looked for ways to yeah, I kept to develop it alive. and learn. Yeah. For our non-Nigerian listeners, um, the WAEC and the NECO are exams that are written at the end of high school to be able to get into the university or the college. So I just wanted to get that out there so that people won't be wondering what's WAEC and NECO. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. <laughs> so um, I finished the bachelor's degree and then because of the first class um, grade that I had, I had the opportunity of uh, coming back for my master's, master's degree, degree free of charge on a scholarship wow, in the same wow, university. Wow. That's awesome. I think um, that, that was the first dividend of diligence that I got from my bachelor's degree, uh, which I think is very um, important for young people to learn. Mm. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I put in my best in the bachelor's program, not because I didn't like the course, but I just felt if I'm not studying computer science, then any other thing that I'm studying, I must be the best in it. And God helped me to actually come out in flying color. That's an important thing to note, though, because sometimes we have dreams, but life puts us in places where we maybe didn't plan. But that doesn't take away the fact that wherever we find ourselves, 
we need to be diligent in that place yeah if we are going to be there if we are not going to leave that place if we are going to be there for that um, particular point in time then we should put in our best because everything counts very important thanks for sharing that yeah yeah so i i had a master's in library and information science um on scholarship at the university of Ibadan. but during that time i took a journey of self-discovery uh, on what exactly I wanted to uh, do in life and what uh, career path I wanted to follow. But it was during my master's at the University of Baton that I discovered that the society has actually patterned the young people in such a way that they ask you to just pursue one thing and do that one thing very well. Mm. And they have forgotten that there are other people who are multi-potentialites. People who have capacities to pursue so many Never things and be successful in everything. Yes. So I discovered uh, in 2014 that I'm a multi-potentialite. I have um, abilities to do a whole lot of things and to do them well. So you went on a journey to discover yourself. Yeah. Do you think it's something that every young person has to um, pay attention to? Finding out uh, yes, it is very, very important. Before you start a full-blown journey of life, I think the first thing, you know, it's like you want to take your car on a journey. Check all the necessary things that would make your journey smooth, that will not get you stranded on the way. So likewise to discovering who you are before you take um, a long journey in life. So I was glad I was able to discover so many things about myself in 2014 before I defined a career path. I discovered I was a multi-potentialite and then um, I don't need to limit myself to just one field because I had a degree in that field. I knew that I could delve into other things I'm passionate about and I'm going to do it well. So I know that after your master's degree in um, the University of Ibadan, you went to South Korea. Yes, yes. What was the experience like? South Korea was um, the game changer for me. In what way? Yeah, it was a game changer for me. Um, I went to another master's in public policy. Um, I had always dreamt of traveling to the UK for my postgraduate studies, uh, but I had more than seven admissions without funding. So. Uh, when the South Korea opportunity came, this is a country I'd never even thought of going, but with faith, and I was offered a full scholarship. So I just got on the plane and I, I, I left for South Korea. <laughs> you packed and went? Yes, yes. I, I just left Nigeria with faith that let me see what uh, the country had to offer me. Okay. But uh, believe me, you, um, it was uh, um, the best experience for me. It was a game changer for me. Um, I went for a master's in public policy and I did my research in technology policy, something I'd always dreamt about in a long time. And uh, for the first time in my life, I felt I was doing something I really loved. Mm. And um, not only that, I discovered other skills that had been locked up inside of me for a long time, but had no activation environment. So for example, I started active writing and micro-blogging on my Facebook page. Mm. And um, if you check my Facebook page today, you can be on that page for the next 48 hours and you still get value for your time. Yeah. You know, uh, I started writing, you know, life lessons, inspirational write-ups from my simple life experiences over the space of three years on my Facebook page. And I discovered that um, skill while I was in South Korea. The environment also provided me with the opportunity of having consistent 
time on the internet. So I was able to explore opportunities and um, I was able to uh, gather more information about life, about career, about ministry, about a whole lot of things. So the internet actually helped me. You know, I was coming from a place where I wasn't having access to consistent internet. There was no power. And then I got to this place where everything was there for me. And then I, I discovered that I had to take opportunity and advantage of the uh, environment to grow professionally, to make networks, and to also um, add to myself in terms of my intellectual um, capabilities. Um, I had my first paper presentation ever in South Korea, you know. I, I became the chairman of the 27th International Youth Forum. Um, I was a resident to the Asian Pacific Population Institute um, yeah, residency cool. program, all in the space of one and a half years when I was pursuing my master's in South Korea. So yeah. it, it's a, a game changer for what I am today and what I'm doing at the moment. So the experience was good. One way or the other, I think young people, if there are opportunities for them to travel and explore the world and see how it is being done in other places, it actually adds to the um, kind of education you get as an individual. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because two things, the internet, then opportunity to um, explore other places. There's this um, new update that um, came on my phone and it had something to do with recording the screen time and every week i check it like okay how many hours am i spending on social media how many hours am i spending studying how many hours am i spending reading yeah. reference material so it classifies the time according to usage and i see some things i'm like okay you need to be more productive with time and all that <laughs> with the use of the internet yeah. yes it's it's an important tool in itself but what you get from mm. it is dependent on where you go when you are online. So mm. I think it's important for every mm. young person to understand that, yes, the, the, the internet is an open open check. You draw on whatever you want from it. There's the good, there's the bad, there's yes. the ugly, there's the beneficial and not. It's always good to see what, um, what you do on the internet coming into life, you know. Mm. Being able to search for opportunities, being able to engage with other people on on productive um, levels and also I, I tell people if you have an opportunity to study out of the country you know the exposure the um, connections you make mm. to people the the broadened mindset is irreplaceable mm. so you finished your um, master's program and I know that there was a phase of life that um, appeared to be I'll call it the in-between because right now you are mm. you're somewhere which you would talk about later on. But then between the master's program and and you today, what happened in that two years? Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for that question. I left South Korea believing that in the next three months after my master's in South Korea, I was going to get admitted somewhere to start my PhD program because that is the societal expectation. And that was what I wanted at that point in time as well. Mm. Um so I left South Korea, I came back to Nigeria with the mind of, I'm just coming to rest for three months. And I had put in applications in different places and I actually trusted my academic qualifications to get me a good PhD position um, in the US. I applied in the US, I applied in New Zealand, I applied in um, Switzerland. 
So I was actually waiting for the responses. So I came back to Nigeria to rest. Three months became six months. Six months became nine months. Nine months became one year. One year became one and a half years. <laughs> one and a half years became two years. <laughs> and I was still in Nigeria. I had not gone for my PhD. But the experience for me, the two years looks like a very long time. Um, but I was uh, able to discover that sometimes in life we plan our own calendar. I'm somebody that I put dates on every time of my life. I can plan my life from January to December with dates that planned what my 2017 would look like. Um, I probably wrote in my personal journal that by December 2017, I would have been done with um, the literature review for my PhD project. But by December 2017, I was still in Nigeria doing something different from what I had planned from 2016. The two years was a wilderness experience for me and also a time of unlearning learning, you know, um, like I was unlearning so many philosophies and principles I had believed over time. Then I started relearning them in a new way. Mm. And then I started having new insights to life. For example, I was this person who, while I was doing my master's in you, I was receiving 25,000 Naira. You know, that was a very humble um, stipend every month. Wow. But I go to South Korea where um, I get 1,000 US dollars almost every 25 days or 26 days. And then the environment was cheap. So I, one way or the other, I forgot the grace of God uh, that gives provision to a man during my stay in South Korea because I thought I'd arrived. So I have some money in my bank account now. Now I have some money to fly to wherever I want. Um, I became somebody that can spare 100,000 Naira to people, you know, just... So I felt I've arrived at where God is taking me. But I never knew it's just a ladder, a very minute part of the whole journey. When I came back to Nigeria, I I came back with that mindset and um, I was becoming self-sufficient. And then I was forgetting the God that I started the journey with. So the first thing God did for me when I came back to Nigeria is to break all my um, philosophy of self-sufficiency, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I exhausted all my savings. Uh, after like six months, when I got uh, like um, rejection emails from all the places I was expecting admission from, they dawned on me that um, I may have to stay in Nigeria for the next one year because I would have to wait for another application cycle and maybe write um, TOEFL and all the exams. So. But in all, throughout all those experiences, um, I was learning humility. I was learning how to depend on God. But it was also during this time that um, I discovered other things I could do, or like on salaried roles. It's not every job that you do that you get money from them. So there are some jobs and things you do. To build capacity. Yes, yes, to build social capital and capacity. I had always known that I'm a good speaker. But I'd never had uh, a lot of opportunities to explore it. So it was during this waiting period, while I was still figuring out what God was trying to do with my life, that I applied to speak at TEDxUI. Okay. I was accepted, and um, it was a like a life-changing experience for me. I spoke on uh, technological readiness in Nigeria, and from that place, I met a whole lot of other young people doing awesome stuff. So I started building networks. 
So after my speech at the TEDx UI, people started asking me, which organization do you work for? What is the name of your company? You know? So I went back home and uh, I knelt. I remember kneeling down in my room that evening to ask God what exactly he wants me to do. Because I felt there's something God wants me to do in Nigeria. And, um, you know, after the TEDx UI. So I knelt down and then um, God didn't speak to me directly from the prayer that evening. But as I slept that night, it's like new ideas were, were coming to my mind. And by the time I woke up, I had the name for a social enterprise. From my sleep, I was already able to figure out the people I want to invite to be part of the initiative. Wow. In two hours, I was able to write a vision statement, mission statement for what the organization would be and what I would be doing. So before the end of that week, I started TechMeet Africa, um, a technology and innovation ecosystem organization. And that was the beginning of my um, um, leaving everything to God in Nigeria. Um, At that point in time, I stopped struggling with um, whether I wanted to travel out or not. You know, so towards the end of 2017, um, we started like running TechMeet Africa. I did another TEDx talk. I started gaining networks into the Badon tech ecosystem. Little by little, I started getting invitation to speak in the Badon at tech events outside the Badon. Towards the end of 2017, I put in for an essay competition for my school in South Korea for alumni members. And my essay was one of the most excellent. So I was invited again to, South Korea. to go to South Korea in 2017, um, October. So I spent two weeks in South Korea again. And um, the journey started looking, you know, it's like you're building step by step. So my technology advocacy journey started looking like um, God was planning everything out for me. The workshop I went for in South Korea was on the fourth industrial revolution. That was where I got new insights into the things I need to do when I am back in Nigeria. So when I go back to Nigeria, I went to speak at the Badon Social Media Festival. That was where I met, uh, I met um, my friend, Mr. Rain, who eventually got me the permanent radio position where I delivered more than 200 contents on different technology topics in the space of six months. Wow, that's awesome. It was not what I planned, but it was just how God was taking me. But I discovered that I started enjoying the journey when I left everything to God. I stopped struggling. It's interesting that you were able to speak at two TEDx events and um, organize your startup, Mm. which I I see has been doing a lot of technological motivation and awareness and linking up people to tools they can use to achieve their dreams. That's that's really interesting. What are the take-home lessons um, our listeners can derive from your experience for two years and maybe life generally? The first lesson I would like to bring out from that is that life in itself is a journey. And then when you're on a journey, you get to a point where uh, you may get tired on the journey and you need to refresh. But as humans, we want to pursue our journey headlong. We just don't want to rest. We just want to be going like that. But God knows that at some point we'd have to refresh. So the refreshing point, sometimes, we don't feel it as a palatable experience. We don't feel it as, uh, you know, God will just use some situations to 
to slow us down, to re-strategize, to learn, to unlearn, and to take more um, um, victuals for our journey. But um, as humans, we don't have more than these are two physical highs. Mm. So sometimes we don't see what God is doing. So at every point in time when it seems God is coming late in some things, it could mean that God is coming big. When it's coming late, it's coming big. So we should not just be fixated on the next big thing. The process is also very important. The journey is as important as the destination itself. Yes, it's very important. And then the second lesson is that uh, when God gives us a platform, an opportunity, we should not see it as the last point of arrival. Sometimes when we see it as the last point of arrival, we will tend to misbehave relax. and use the opportunity in the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, we relax. So whenever God gives us a new opportunity, it may even be an opportunity that um, you don't deserve naturally with what you your qualification, but with the grace of God, he has given it to you. Don't see it as uh, a point of arrival. See it as a journey to the next thing. A milestone, yeah. Yes. So just see it as a talent that you need to use well and invest well for you to get bigger things from God. You know, and the third lesson is that in whatever situation you are, God will always be God. Don't lose your faith because you are facing hardship in so many parts of your life. I got to a point where uh, people started asking me, what exactly is your plan for life? Like, you know, you know, I eventually started applying for jobs in Nigeria and they were not calling me for any interview. I was applying. I had a very wonderful CV. Sometimes I would look at my CV again. I'd be like, ah, this is what exactly awesome. do they need? So I had a first class. <laughs> what do they need after a first class degree? First class degree, two masters. I should get invitation, but I wasn't getting invites for any uh, of the jobs, but I didn't lose faith. I didn't lose faith. I was, I was, you know, confident in the fact that God is coming through and is coming big. And that was what eventually happened. Uh, at every point in time, we should not lose God. Yeah, but that's interesting. So where are you now? What is going on at the moment? I had waited for two years for opportunities for PhDs, for jobs. And then towards the end of um, August um, this year, I did not only get a PhD admission that is fully funded, I also got an international job after waiting for two years. I guess God felt, okay, this boy has learned some lessons. Like double for your trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so maybe we can release him now. God did stuff that I had to pick out of all the blessings he has given to me because I cannot take all of them. They are in different continents. Mm. So I currently teach at the African Leadership University in uh, Kigali, Rwanda. Okay. Uh, so um, I teach research methods in the um, Global Challenges degree program of the university. Okay. So that's where I work at the moment. I picked the job over a PhD in informatics in Malaysia. Okay. So I decided to stay on the African continent and see what I can contribute to the building of future leaders for our dear continent, Africa. That's awesome. And, yeah. Uh, congrats on the new job. Thank you very much. I'm sure that with with all what um, the life skills and the virtues that you've learned, uh, you make you make impact where you are, and, and uh, you keep being guided to the best place for you. Mm. Mm, yes. There's a section we call the lightning round or the hot seat where we ask you 
specific questions which you give very brief answers to. Can we go ahead? Yeah, we can. We can. First question. So do you think that the challenges that are facing young people today are the same kind of challenges in your time? If you think so, what do you think one thing that might help them navigate that particular challenge? If not, what are the challenges? Okay, very good one. Uh, the, I think the challenges facing the young people these days are different from what we faced in our time. We are, we are in a techno-deterministic environment now where technology dictates everything. The younger generation have more access to things that distract them than we did in our days. In our days, um, the best distraction, if your parents were a little bit cosmopolitan, was TV. Yeah. And some of us didn't even have access to watch TV until every Sunday, you know. I think our parents still had grip on discipline and all. But these days, career is emerging, technology is emerging, and a lot of challenges are facing the younger generation. The younger generation needs people to talk to, people who can guide them practically. I think I would not be where I am today if I had mentors who uh, told me what and what to do and who gave me the right advice at the right point in time. But many of us had to struggle through many things. We didn't make some decisions early because we didn't know how best to do it. So um, I think the younger generation needs mentorship, practical mentorship, reachable mentors. Well, thank you so much for that. I agree with you. Mm. Let's say you have 16-year-old David sitting across from you. What one thing will you tell him? Uh, we were born into Christian families, but we didn't get born again until our early 20s. I think it's the best factor that can accelerate a young person. So I would tell a 16-year-old of my own passion in front of me now to uh, get God at a very young age. And the scripture says, what can a young man do, you know, to keep himself pure, you know, but to, uh, if not to meditate in the Word. We didn't cultivate the habit of um, studying the Word of God uh, right from a young age, even though we were born into Christian homes. So, my 16-year-old David, please get God very early for that. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> so, is there any one book you would recommend for a young person to read? There's a particular book that I read. It's, not, it's neither motivational nor uh, spiritual. But it, it broadened my mind about, it made me philosophical about life, about in terms of thinking about how, the, how life is organized and what makes the man successful in life. That is mathematically speaking. That is the title of the book. I've forgotten the author speaking. now. Yes, yes. Mathematically speaking. It's a book that contains a lot of quotes. Um, I think mathematically speaking was arranged by C.C. Gaeta, C.C. Gaeta and A.E. Cavazos Gaeta. It's a dictionary of quotations. Yes, yes, yes. I like the book a lot. Wow. Then um, another book I read was um, Think Big. I think last week I still picked that book up to read the last chapter. And the book has really helped me a lot. So those two books, then the Bible. That's my best book. So, <laughs> Is there any scripture or any quote or a saying that you think really helped you shape some perspective in life? Well, I, I would like to talk about the scripture that helped me um, like helped me throughout my waiting period and that is Psalm 16 verse 10 it will not abandon my soul in hell 
neither will you allow your only one to see corruption. And that's, that is a big promise from God, that no matter the situation we are passing through, he will not abandon us, he's always with us. Yes, awesome. Thank you very much for being on Storyworks. My pleasure. I wish you great things ahead, great things in the present and great things ahead. So Amen. Thank you for coming to the show. This is the hub of transformative storytelling. Before you go, do not forget to subscribe to Storybox on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any platform on which you listen to podcasts. You will also find links, show notes, and full transcript of each episode on the Grand Heights website at ghwings.com. Have this podcast to your playlist and tell a friend. Thank you for listening. See you next week.